Hello and welcome to the Sky Time Podcast with me, Simon Cousins. This is the podcast that promotes Sky and profiles the people that drive the island's economy. It's also a celebration of Sky's vibrant history, culture and environment and aims to gently persuade visitors to spend more time, get off the beaten track and experience more of what our island has to offer. This week, as the second coronavirus wave develops and the impact of restrictions on gatherings continues to undermine confidence in the hospitality and tourism industries, I'm joined by Fiona Campbell, the Chief Executive of the Association of Scotland's Self-Caterers. Fiona has been working tirelessly all year to lobby for her sector on a number of fronts. Welcome back to the podcast, Fiona. Hi, Simon. Now, firstly, you've hardly had a day off in nine months. How are your energy levels at the moment? I'm a little bit tired, if I'm absolutely honest, but, you know, I'm not going to let it get me down. I'll keep smiling. (laughs) There's lots to talk about, including the financial plight of the self-catering sector, the impact of recently introduced restrictions, and the Scottish Government's proposed licensing scheme for short-term lets. We'll start with the, the second half of the tourist season, first of all. When lockdown was lifted, were your members just instantly busy, inundated with requests? Right back on the 3rd of July, yes, absolutely. As soon as we had an indication that lockdown was going to be lifted, people started booking. People were desperate to get away. There was a huge amount of trust in the um, self-catering sector because of the robust cleaning protocols that we've got in place. We were seen as an incredibly safe option, which is exactly what we are. So, yes, uh, bookings were astronomical. And even if you got a cancellation, somebody would jump in. It was incredibly buoyant back in July and August. But having said that, you know, that's not always the case in all parts of Scotland. So Edinburgh is still having a very, very tough time. Some of the more rural areas had a very tough time in terms of dealing with uh, the community response to the easing of lockdown. Because, you know, we all spent months and months and months telling people to go away. So suddenly to turn around and accept people, especially in slightly more delicate or, or protected rural areas, was was quite a challenge. I suppose a lot of people probably don't realise the level of investment and work that your sector had to put into preparing to open up in a safe fashion. Everybody knows what hotels and pubs and restaurants and shops have done, but just talk through some of the steps that your members had to put in place. I mean, we wrote the cleaning protocols for the sector and those cleaning protocols were put in place in order, obviously, to protect the health of our guests and also our staff. They came with huge associated costs. You know, you're talking about cleaning materials, chemicals, equipment, extra bedding, protective bedding, PPE for your staff or or yourself if you're doing the cleaning yourself. So there was a, a significant cost implication, as well as obviously wanting our properties to be in the best possible condition for people to come and and stay in. So a lot of people spent a lot of lockdown painting, improving their properties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so that our offer is as good as it possibly can be for the guests. And so to what extent were your members able to salvage something financially from the season? Back in July and August, a lot of people did very well in terms of, you know, getting back on their feet and welcoming guests, as I say, not everywhere in Scotland to have the same joy. However, you know, with the introduction of increasing restrictions, that 
fragile recovery has basically been knocked sideways. A second wave of coronavirus infections was probably inevitable, along with some restrictions. But did you think that your sector, because of what we've said already about being in a unique position in terms of social distancing, would escape the worst of the the mini lockdown? Absolutely. I think, you know, we are considered to be managed accommodation in the same way that a hotel or a B&B is. You've also got to remember that self-catering businesses accommodate very small or um, close-knit groups of friends and family. We're seen as a very safe sector. So we were absolutely astonished when the restrictions went from the rule of six, which we understand, down to the one household rule. Talk me through the sequence of events that led up to that change, because it was pretty unsatisfactory from your point of view, wasn't it? It was unsatisfactory. You're absolutely right. We totally, as I say, understood the rule of six and we understand the science and the evidence behind that. But when it came down to the one household rule, we simply cannot see the evidence behind it. On the day that the restrictions were announced, I contacted the Scottish government immediately to see if we were going to be impacted by those restrictions. And we were assured by the Scottish government that we were not going to have to follow the one household rule. We are seen as managed accommodation and we were still going to be covered by the rule of six. Now, I reiterated that request about three times and three times I was told, no, the legal position from the Scottish government is that you are covered by the rule of six. Now, the following morning at 9.30 in the morning, Jason Leach went on the radio and unfortunately mentioned self-catering specifically and said, no, two households could not meet in a self-catering property. So that put the cat amongst the pigeons and we spent an entire day going backwards and forwards with the Scottish government to find out what had happened, what the evidence is behind that decision. And unfortunately, at 9.30 that night, we were told that uh, we had lost the argument and we were going to have to go down to the one household restriction. Now, I spoke to the analyst in charge of COVID data yesterday at the Scottish government And I asked the question, is there any evidence of transmission at or in a self-catering property? And she said that there had been several, which doesn't sound very many, several cases of COVID-19 in a self-catering property, but no evidence of it being transmitted at the property or from the property. This was just transmission between family members or between guests. So I'm still struggling to find a reason why we are being impacted so devastatingly by this one household rule. Could it be the case that the government just couldn't afford to throw another chief medical officer underneath the bus for misspeaking? I couldn't possibly say that. I'm going to suggest that they have got some kind of evidence that I'm unaware of. So what's been the impact of not being able to host multiple households in self-catering properties across the country? We did a survey when the rule of six came in and it evidenced that 44% of self-caterers in Scotland accommodate more than six people. And at that point, we did some financial modelling and it was shown that £70 million worth of bookings may be lost between now, well, it was September at that point, and Christmas. £70 million. That does not indicate how much the loss is going to be when it's gone down to rule of one. Now, I can only speak for myself. I've got two self-catering properties. One sleeps eight and one sleeps 10. I have lost 99% of my bookings for October, 90% of my bookings for November, and 99% of my bookings for December. So with no financial help, no support, 
this is going to be catastrophic for my own business. Now, if you extrapolate my business across Scotland, then that is a fairly significant situation. So is that the case, do you think, that most people who had booked as multiple family groups coming to a self-catering, they weren't prepared to say, well, one of us will keep the booking and uh, we'll just have to go as one family. It's a complete cancellation. It tends to be a complete cancellation for two reasons. One being that people want to go away with family and friends. In 18 years of operating, I've probably only had a handful of occasions when I've had one family or yeah, one household in one of my properties. The other second point is that if you only go as one household, but you've booked it as two households or more, then the financial implication is it's just not, not as value for money. So therefore, they are cancelling fully and now they expect a refund. And we are being used as a sector as insurers of last resort because we are being told that we have to cancel, even though we can offer the accommodation still and the contract has not been frustrated. So that is incredibly incredibly frustrating for us as a sector. We're only in early October, but essentially your Christmas, New Year booking, which could be a lucrative time for you, has gone. Totally gone. Totally gone. And the difficulty is now with the increasing restrictions and the increasing narrative across the press and and obviously from our, our politicians, consumer confidence is completely dashed, completely dashed. Whilst in July and August we were seeing a huge spike in bookings, we are now not seeing the bookings. So we're not only seeing the cancellations, but we're not seeing the onward bookings. So at the moment, we are most certainly looking like a year of of multiple winters. And the only kind of real hope we've got is the spring and March and April next year. But if these restrictions continue through into the new year, there's also going to be a lag in terms of this confidence coming back from consumers and therefore bookings will be delayed coming in. I mean, how, how long can you go on before you know what 2021 is going to look like? Well, it's very, very difficult. I mean, at the moment, we're still facing the fact that 34% of South caterers have received no financial support whatsoever from the Scottish government, which leaves a lot of people in already dire situation. For those of us that were able to access support, we were given a £10,000 grant, but that cannot be expected to continue until next March. It cannot be expected to look after us for an entire 12 months. In addition, the banks and financial lenders were very, very quick to act back in March and very generously and very supportively gave us mortgage holidays. But those mortgage holidays have now ended. And the fact is now, if you cannot pay your commercial mortgage, you will end up in forbearance. And that means it will affect your credit rating. Now, again, speaking personally, I cannot see a way to paying for my mortgage with no income. So we've got sort of layer upon layer of lack of support. And of course, we've got the technical exclusion of furnished holiday letting from the self-employed income support scheme. So we really are in a pretty dire predicament. And as you say, with no confidence whatsoever about when these bookings might pick up, it's all a little bit depressing. Let's move on to another battlefront and potentially depressing area for you. The proposed government legislation on short-term lets. For those not up to speed, talk me through some of the key elements of the proposals and, and who will be affected. Yeah, I might start crying in a minute, actually. This is most depressing, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, The Scottish government decided quite a while ago to introduce a licensing scheme with short-term net control zones. 
Now, back in January of 2020, they outlined a consultation process, which was going to be laid before Parliament in December of 2020. Now, unlike every other sort of scheme that sensibly has been shelved during the COVID-19 pandemic, including the transient visitor levy, which I'm sure we've spoken about before multiple times, they have decided to forge ahead with the short-term let licensing proposals. And we are currently in a four-week consultation period to look at the detail of this scheme. Now, they're not asking about whether it should happen. They're talking about the very fine detail. And unfortunately, it really is actually terrifying. They're talking about some really burdensome, onerous proposals that are going to impact on every single person that operates any kind of short-term self-catering operation across the whole of Scotland. And it's, yeah, it's it's not good news. Let's unpack some of the individual issues in play here. First of all, the, the, the timing of these proposals. Why are they pushing ahead with this particular legislation when, as you say, they've, they've ditched the TVL for now? I can only assume it's a political motive because there can't be any other reason to kick an industry while it's so badly down and it's just now we're just not even recovering. We have sent out a survey just last night at five o'clock, we've already had 670 responses in under 24 hours. And 96% of those people believe that this legislation should be delayed while the sector recovers. It's also uh, 96% of people also believe that it requires greater parliamentary scrutiny because at the moment it's being pushed through as an SSI, which makes it much easier to get through with very little parliamentary scrutiny. What about the imposition of licensing and monitoring fees? What's been the reaction uh, of your members to that? Uh, not, not, not terribly positive. <laughs> I'll be absolutely honest. They are proposing a licensing fee plus an ongoing uh, monitoring fee, which would be kind of akin to a council tax. But they haven't actually given us any indication of that fee structure. Now, our position is, and as, as an association that they should have done a business regulatory impact assessment prior to introducing this consultation and in association with the consultation, because then we would find out what these fees look like and what impact it's going to have on the sector. They haven't done that and we've been asking them to do so and we hope that they will do so as part of this consultation process. What's the rationale behind the idea of hosts having to meet and greet guests and impose curfews and what's your objection to that well meeting and greetings got all sorts of um issues in terms of if you live in a rural part on sky you're you're not necessarily going to be living right next door to the property that you rent out as a self-catering unit now some people that's easy to do but some people that would be almost impossible and also in a covert situation you're not meant to be meeting and greeting your guests Changes to the fabric of the buildings, talk of uh, having to change floorings and doors, why? Again, I think the fundamental point of this is that this policy or this legislation is aimed at a very, very small number of issues in Edinburgh. So they're talking about noise and they're talking about nuisance and they're talking about loss of residential amenity, which would not impact anywhere else necessarily across the rest of Scotland. So again, only 12% of our respondents to the survey are urban properties. Now, all of these proposals are based on addressing these urban issues. They're not really addressing anything else. And is that evidenced by the fact that there are 
a whole host of accommodation options that are not included in the proposal to, to have a licensing system? One of the um, policy objectives is the health and safety. Now, clearly, as an association and as professional self-caterers, we don't object to health and safety. We believe that everybody should be complying with health and safety issues because obviously we want our guests to be safe. However, we've already got a regulatory framework that, that delivers that. So I can't understand why we need a new one. The government's consultation closes on the 16th of October. How active have your members been in making their views known? Well, we are conducting this survey. So if anybody's listening to this and hasn't already done so, please do so. Um, But what we really need people to do is to respond to the consultation because they've been very active in getting residents in Edinburgh to reply to the consultation, but we really need the self-catering sector to respond to the consultation with their own concerns. You've done a fantastic job of lobbying throughout this crisis. Are you optimistic that if there are enough voices, you will be heard and you'll be able to at least delay, if not stop, the licensing proposals? I don't have much hope that we're going to delay or stop the proposals, but I think it's really important that, that our politicians understand the ramifications of this licensing scheme. 85% of the self-catering sector don't does not support the scheme, but all of these people will be complying with health and safety. So we really need people to write to their MSPs, tell their MSPs what this is going to do to the sector, but it's not just the sector It's also the ongoing supply chain. It's the cleaners, it's the laundry providers, but it's also the restaurants. It's the gamekeepers. It's the country sport people that require self-catering. You know, this is going to have a massive, massive impact on our sector. 50% of our survey respondents have said that they will leave the self-catering sector if this licensing scheme is introduced. And you must be speaking to people on a, on a daily basis. What's the overall mood? Are people just saying, well, it really isn't worth it between COVID and the restrictions and now this licensing scheme? I, I think I'll just pack up. I do worry. In, in our last survey, 55% of respondents said that they were suffering from anxiety or mental stress from all of this. So, you know, we really need to look after our sector. Self-catering industry represents £723 million to the Scottish economy. Why are we shooting it down? Now, I guess finally, like everyone else, you can't wait to see the back of 2020. But at this point in time, how optimistic are you feeling about 21? I'm probably one of the most optimistic people you'll ever meet. And right now, I am not feeling optimistic in the slightest. I'm tired. The sector is tired. Tourism is tired. We're all tired. We all need a break. I'll probably get up tomorrow and feel more positive. Here's hoping. (laughs) Fiona Campbell, let's hope so. And thank you very much for your time once again. And that's all for this edition of the Skytime podcast. If you have a story or business to promote, email simon at simoncousinsmedia.co.uk. Please also get in touch if you'd like to sponsor Skytime or advertise your business on the next podcast. Until then, stay safe. Aqui vamos.